So before I begin, I just want to remind you, you know what? You are loved. Do you know that? Wherever you may be, if you're at home, whether you're here, I want you to know you are loved. Not only are you loved by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but I think you're kind of cool myself. <laughs> We're in a series right now called the I Am Series, and I'm really excited to share with you what, what God has given to us today. But before I do, I want to kind of explain to you some of the things that I have up on the stage with me this morning. How many of you have seen the show, Let's Make a Deal? I think they've remastered that, and, and it's on the air right now again. But that, I remember growing up, that was, that was a pretty popular show. And you know, what would happen is people would go, and they would dress up in these crazy costumes. And you did it, you were obnoxious because you knew that's how you would get to go on TV. Now, the goal of the, of the show, Let's Make a Deal, was very simply this. Make the best deal, right? So it kind of started out like this. Um, maybe the host would walk up, he'd walk through the crowd, and he'd walk up maybe to a young lady, and he would say to her, show me three things that you have in your purse that have to do with hair. And right away they would scramble, and they'd maybe pull out a brush, and they'd pull out a comb, and then they'd pull out a scrunchie. And yay, now they get to make a deal, right? So then the host would say to her, I will give you $300 cash, or you can have what's behind door number one. And then what would the crowd do? Take the cash, take the door, and they would try and coerce them to do one or the other, right? And then just when she's ready to make a decision, he says, I'll give you $400 cash, or you can have what's behind door number one. Now, I did a little research on this because I wanted to find out why is it that people made some of the choices that they made. And the fact is, is that they also did a study, and here's what they found out. They found out that as long as the, the amount of cash was below $500, 65% of the contestants took the door. You know why? because they saw the door as being bigger, and bigger equates to more. Now that's the world's thinking. Now let's look at that door a little bit differently. In the Old Testament, whenever you would go to a Jewish family's home, you would always enter through the front door. The reason that you would enter through the front door was because when you walked through the front door, you would receive the blessing of knowing that you were now in the home of a family that worshiped Yahweh. You would never go around to the back door or a side door. And the reason you wouldn't do that is because then you would be perceived as an unwanted guest. But if you went through the front door, then you would receive the blessings of the home, which would be food, shelter, and fellowship. Now the Jews knew that they were very vulnerable at the front door. The same was true for the city gate. They had the same kind of identity. 
In other words, at the front gate, at the city gate, they would guard their gate. They would lock it, and they would put place a watchman on the tower or on the wall because they knew that they were vulnerable at the front door, at the city gate. Well, what were they supposed to do at home? Well, the leaders came up with a plan. It went something like this. This is called the mezuzah. You know what that is? Mezuzah means door frame. So what would happen is that the Jewish people believed, based on their holy scriptures, that this would protect them. And here's how. In the book of Exodus, you remember that when the Lord God was getting ready to bring the people out of Egypt, you know where I'm going with this, right? And on the very 10th plague, you remember that the Lord God said he was sending the angel of death, right? And each of the children of Israel, those who were the Hebrews of that day, they were to take a hyssop branch and they were to paint paint the door frames with the blood of the lamb. So that on that night when the angel of death came, they would see the blood of the lamb that had been painted on the door frame and he would pass over, right? So what the Jewish people did is to protect their homes as they took the mezuzah and in the mezuzah, was a scripture. And the scripture was Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words are not to depart from your lips. Teach them. And remember, it goes on. Talk about them when you walk around alone. And remember how it closes? Put them on your doorposts, right? And so what they would do is about three-quarters of the way up, they would put this mezuzah up on the door frame. Now, they had a problem. The problem was that one of the leaders said, okay, this contains parchment of Scripture, and, they can, and the way that they kept their parchments of Scriptures was like this. It was flat. And so he believed when you put it on there, it needs to be horizontal. And another leader said, oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about the relationship between God and man. It needs to be vertical. And so you know what they did? They came up with a plan. They split the difference, and they put it at a 45-degree angle. (laughs) No kidding. That's what they did. So here's what happened, is when you would go to a Jewish home, you would see the mezuzah on there, and this is what was used to protect the home. And where was it? It was at the door place, at the front door. Now, here's my question for you this morning. And if you don't hear this, you're going to miss the whole rest of the sermon. And this is the point. This is the question. Why is the front door so important in a Jewish home? And the answer is this. Because it's a place of access. Did you hear that? It's a place of access. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from John chapter 10, 
and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, this world is filled with many roads. There are many doors. And the world tells me that all lead to heaven. How can I be sure? Help me to recognize the door, that point of access that will lead me home in this life and the next. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. My friends, if you are asking who is Jesus, then you've come to the right place. I want you to know that I recognize some of the paths that you are walking in here because I'm walking that path with you. Some of you in here, I prayed with this last week because you went through a very difficult time. But there are also some of you who are in here in this place that have experienced this Jesus that we're talking about in a new and a fresh way. Some of you have experienced Jesus as my healer. Some of you have experienced Jesus as the one who has the power over death. Some of you have experienced Jesus as my counselor. Some of you have experienced Jesus as my presence. Some of you have experienced Jesus as the one who is always with me. And I heard you say over the phone or in face, Praise God for who he is and how he has shown up in my life. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to show up in my life. Don't you? You know, talk is cheap. Because when you do want Jesus to show up in your life, you have to live your life in a way that reflects that you need him. 
too many times, we're good. Life is good. And Lord, when I need you, I'll get to you. How many of you live your life like that? I guess I'm the only one that's not lying. But today, we are going to hear once again as Jesus describes himself for us through another metaphor. He's been doing that the last few weeks. He does that in the book of John. There's seven of them. They're called the I Am's, and Jesus is describing for us who he is. Now, remember that Jesus is getting close to his crucifixion, and he is very focused on the message that he has for his people. In just a little while, Jesus is going to take his message behind closed door with his disciples, and that's when we know it's really getting close. But we're not quite to that point yet. Jesus is trying to teach the people and give them a description of who he is, describing himself through metaphors that they would understand because they deal with them in everyday life. Remember what the first one was? I am the bread of life. And you remember what the scene was? Jesus had just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000, which was probably 15 to 20,000, and the people followed him. Why? Because they wanted what he could give them, right? They wanted to make him king. Why? Because he could give us all the bread that we need. And then Jesus tells them, no, it's not about that bread. He's telling them, I am the bread of life. You need to eat my flesh. You need to drink my blood. And oh, man, that was a tough teaching. Remember that people walked away? And Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, what about you? Will you too leave me? And Peter says, where shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. And then last week, we focused on the fact that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And you don't hide a light. A light is on a hill and it shines for everybody to go towards because people are attracted to the light, right? Just like the desert, we, and we follow the light when we are in the presence of the light, we are safe. But remember, we also found out Jesus isn't the only one who is the light of the world. He tells us that we are the light of the world, right? We, we reflect the light of Jesus. How'd you do this week? Now today we come to the third I am, and Jesus tells us, I am the door. Now you remember last week we were in the temple, remember? It was the court of women. Specifically, we were in the treasury area, and Jesus was teaching. Do you remember why we were there? It was the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of those three feasts that all Jewish males needed to make that pilgrimage to Jews, to Jerusalem. Remember, there was the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. There was the Feast of Passover, and then there was the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Booze, as it was called. And Jesus just lit up everybody and told me, says, I am the light of the world, okay? All right, now, it's the next day, okay? It's the next day and it's the Sabbath day. You need to know that. So in the morning, something happened that kind of set the stage for everything that we're going to talk about today. And for us, we would say if we were Jesus, it's not a very good day. But for Jesus, there weren't too many good days, if you know what I mean. And so Jesus comes into the temple, the Bible tells us. And when he comes into the temple, he notices that there is a man who the Bible tells us, who had been born blind. He was blind from birth. 
And this was one of those moments when the Lord was going to use his power to glorify God, and he heals the blind man. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine what it would be like to live in darkness all your life, and all of a sudden, you see the light? Remember what Jesus told him? Jesus had made some mud, and he put it in his eyes, and remember what Jesus told me? He said, go, wash, and you'll be able to see. That's a sermon in itself for another time. So the man goes, and he washes his eyes, and now he can see, but Jesus is nowhere to be found. Well, the Jewish pastors found out about it, and they're not very happy. And they're not very happy because Jesus had the gall to heal this man on the Sabbath, and they can't find Jesus, but they know where this blind man is, so they bring him in to be interrogated. Now, this is not a very fun process, but what happens is, is the blind man kind of, make, kind of makes a fool out of the leadership. And they ask him, who healed you? And the blind man says, not sure. And somebody finds out that it was Jesus. Do you know him? The blind man says, no, but I'd like to. Well, what happens is as they go through this interrogation, the Jewish leaders get so frustrated with this man that they kick him out. Now, you need to understand what I'm talking about here, and let's go to the Bible for this. To this they replied, this is the Jewish leaders, you were steeped in sin at birth. See, that's their explanation. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, here's what you need to understand. This does not mean they just threw him out of the, of the room. It means they threw him out of Judaism. They kicked him out of the church. He has been excommunicated. He is no longer a part of the body who call themselves worshipers of Jehovah. Now, I want you to understand this is a serious thing because it's going to impact him not only spiritually but socially. In other words, the people were to treat this man as an outcast. Everybody knew that. Remember what the Jewish people, the leaders told everybody? If you have anything to do with Jesus, you better watch it. And so now the people are trained by the Jewish leaders to treat this man as a leper. Now the question that we need to ask is this. So why did they really get rid of him? You want to know the answer? To limit his influence. <laughs> this guy had influence, didn't he? He was blind, and now he can see. But the Jewish leaders want to silence him. Now, these are your pastors we're talking about. I want to remind you of that. Not me, the other ones. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble for that one. All right, let's go on with the story. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. See, they had a grapevine back then even in the church. And when he found out, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, 
and he worshiped him. You understand what just happened? This man was booted out of the church, and Jesus went and found him. My friends, that's the gospel. Please hear me. You hear people say all the time, I found Jesus. No, Jesus has never been lost. <laughs> right? But the gospel is right here. Jesus, the good shepherd, comes and he finds the lost sheep. And what does he do? He brings him in to his fold. All right, now, all of this takes place in a portion of the temple called Solomon's Porch. Jesus now leaves this area, and just based on where he is, the place that was closest to where he would leave is the northeast corner. You know what that northeast corner gate is called? The sheep gate. What a coincidence. So Jesus, now and his followers, go out through this sheep, this sheep gate, and they stop there, and now Jesus teaches them. Now, if you're in this area, you know you're in this area because it smells like the sheep. Now, watch what happens here. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way, he is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So let me explain to you what's happening. There's a crowd of people who are around Jesus, and from that scripture verse, we know that some of them are Pharisees. And Jesus is now about to make a point. Now, here's some context that you need to understand. In those days, there were two types of sheep pens. There was the sheep pen in the village, which was sometimes referred to as a communal pen. And then there was the sheep gate that was out in the countryside, and they were two different things. We're in the city right now, so Jesus neared the sheep gates that are or the sheep pens that are there in the city. And basically, they were rectangular in shape. And in one corner was a gate. What you need to know is that the word for gate, our English word, is door. So Jesus is talking about what would happen is that sometimes in the village, there would be three or four different flocks that would bring their flocks together. They would enter into the pen, and then the shepherds would take turn watching the sheep, or they would hire an under-shepherd who was in training. So as the sheep would come in, the very first thing they would do is that the person who was the shepherd in charge of the sheep, he had his rod. The sheep knew the rod, and he would extend his rod, and it was called the rod of inspection. So the sheep would pass underneath that rod. When they would get to the rod, the shepherd would put the rod down, and then the sheep would stop. Why? Because the shepherd's responsibility was to make sure nothing got in that pen that was not supposed to be there. If there was a sheep that was filled with disease, guess what? The sheep was out. 
So the sheep come in now. The shepherd then closes the gate and he stands at the door. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The next morning, the shepherds would come and they would take their sheep out to the pastures to feed. Now the question is, is how did they get their sheep out? Well, maybe they recognized them, or maybe they recognized them by their marks, or maybe they had a brand, right? No, the shepherd would come out and he would call them by name. And the sheep recognized the shepherd's voice, and the sheep would follow their shepherd out to the pasture. All right, now listen very carefully. Jesus now says to the people, the Pharisees, the leaders in the church, they are not the shepherd. They want to be the shepherd, but they are not the shepherd. You see, Jesus tells us that the chief priests, that the leaders of the church, they want the sheep, but they can't have the sheep because they're not the shepherds. They want the attention because they want the sheep to believe that life, prosperity, eternal salvation goes through them. Do you hear that? Loud and clear. Because Jesus' message to those people is the same message to us. Jesus is telling the people who are standing right there in front of him, and he's saying to me, listen to me. He said, the shepherd is the one who enters by the gate, by the door. He doesn't go around the back. He doesn't go in the side. He enters by the door. He knows his sheep by name, and the sheep know him and recognize his voice. They are the shepherd. The Pharisees, the leaders of the church, are not the shepherd. You see, my friends, Jesus is painting a picture here. And the picture that he's painting describes himself. But the imagery also is a message to those who were not the leaders, but who were the sheep. And he says, it is critical that you know your shepherd's voice. And the way you know your shepherd's voice is you must be in proximity to that shepherd. In other words, you need to be close to the shepherd. Now, the people don't get it. They miss it. So now watch. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through the gate through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I want you to see this plain and simple, okay? Jesus is making a very plain statement, and the statement he makes is this. I am the gate. 
I am the point of access. He goes on and he says, there were many others who tried to steal the sheep from me, but they could not. You know why? Because Jesus says, I am the gate. Everything must go through me. It has to go over my body, both going in and going out. Everything filters through my fingers. All right, now, the latest statistic tells us that 26% of pastors of mega churches do not preach Christ and Christ crucified. I'm going to say some things now that you're going to want to send me emails. Please don't. Okay? But I'm going to say these things because I want you to hear the truth, and I'm accountable to the Lord for this. There's a simple test to tell whether the shepherd of your flock, his character and his nature, is very easy to see. And Jesus just got done telling us what it is. You know what it is? Does he enter through the gate? You can go out and you can hear greater sermons than what you're ever going to get in here. You can turn on TV and you can hear all different kinds of preachers. And you will walk away and you think, wow, that was amazing. But I want you to know that Jesus' message to all of us here today, and for those who are watching, is this. Beware of the false shepherds. They talk about Jesus. They sing about Jesus. They argue about Jesus, but they do not preach Jesus Christ crucified. And Jesus makes it very clear. There is only one way to get through the Father. It's not a prosperity gospel. I'm here to tell you, life following Jesus is hard. And just because you'd give $10 or $15 doesn't mean God's going to promise to make you prosperous. In fact, nowhere in the Bible does Jesus ever tell us that he will make us prosperous and wealthy. But there are many out there who are going to tell you something different. My dear friends, in Christ, there is only one gate. There's only one door. And it's Jesus Christ. Anything outside of that is a lie. And Jesus calls anyone who preaches that a thief. In our gospel, we need to teach that Jesus died on the cross. In our doctrine, we have to believe in the repentance of sin. And we must include in our messages the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross is what frees us from sin. 
That's the truth. Not the truth according to Pastor Bob. The truth according to God's Word. Now, I want to bring this to a close here. Look what it says. This is God's Word. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Look at this verse. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You know what my favorite word in this is? Anyone. Anyone. I asked Pastor John what that word means in the Greek, and he goes, anyone means anyone. (laughs) Wise man. (laughs) But God's will is that all men would be saved. And the only way that someone can be saved is, first of all, the Father has to draw them to to himself. And Jesus is the way. All right, so now you know the truth. Some of you say, I already knew that. Praise the Lord. Some of you may think, that guy's crazy. Because the world teaches us that there are many roads to heaven. What I just want you to be careful of is that when you hear other preachers, when you're watching other preachers on TV, can I be really honest with you? It's really easy for our pride, especially as a man, It's easy for pride to get in and think, wow, all these people love me. All these people listen to me. I must really be something. And my wife reminds me I am something else. (laughs) That's why God gave her to me. No. But it's the truth. Just like you, I'm in the back beating my chest. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But when you travel and when you go different places or if you watch online and you're watching different pastors on there, there are great preachers. All I'm simply saying to you is what Jesus told us this morning and that's this, I am the door. Beware of those false prophets. What's the simple test? Do they enter through the door and the door is Jesus Christ? If they're preaching Jesus Christ and Jesus crucified and he's the only way to heaven, then you know you've got a good one. But if not, my dear friends, you run, you turn that channel, you turn that TV off because there is only one way. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for our message today. Thank you, Lord, for your word Thank you, Father, that your word tells us the truth. Thank you, Father, that you reminded us that you are the bread of life, that you are the light of the world, and today that you are the door. Father, I want to be sure and I want to know that the only place that I go is through the door, and you are that door. Father, I thank you for the many men and women that that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are many of them, but there are a few who are out there. 
And Father, they're trying to lead us astray. Thank you for giving us this simple test that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt whether or not they are who they need to be. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us on the cross. Thank you that not only that he knows my name, but he calls me by name. I am his. Now, Father, as I go out into this world, I want to act like I belong to the fold of Jesus Christ. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this believing in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the benediction as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his joy. Remember, Jesus says today, I am the door. God bless you. Have a great week.